0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer, and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Heather Lounsbury, owner of Live Natural, Live Well in Santa Monica, California, and the author of Fix Your Mood with Food. This is another audio interview I did for my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Now, the first few episodes of Vegan Business Talk have been with business owners who have a widget to sell, so a product of some kind. Heather, though, is a service provider. She's a Chinese medicine practitioner and acupuncturist. In this interview, Heather talks about why giving away lots of free sessions and appearing desperate, particularly when you're starting out, is a mistake. The importance of learning to be a business person, not just a practitioner in your field. How she got major celebrities as her clients, and much more. Here's the interview with Heather Lounsbury of Live Natural, Live Well.
1: We've been working in this area for quite some time in the sort of natural and, and, and wellness field. Um, What's your, what are your drivers for, for running um, a vegan business, whether or not you call it that, but effectively, you know, you're promoting plant, plant-based eating and, and living. Um, what are your reasons or your drivers for doing that? What's your purpose for, for running a business?
2: Well, I want, I want as many people to eat plants as I can. As I can. So that's a big motivator for me to help, help people, not just with their health, but also help animals and help the environment but um, the more I can get my, my patients to go at least closer to plant-based, the better off they are and I, I, that's, that's definitely my main
1: motivator Right, right So is it coming more from a sort of health perspective or is it kind of all three the health, the animals, the environment Well it's
2: um, um, my main motivation um, for being vegan is animals uh, like, uh, I don't need the health benefits and the environmental benefits to keep doing it for sure I just, it's all about animals but when it comes to how I work with my patients you know I talk to them about the health aspects more than the ethical because that's the ethical part. if they have questions I'll talk to them about it but the ethical part seems to turn some some people off but if they know it's going to make them feel better physically they're they're, uh, for the most part, more motivated to listen.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. And, and remind me, with your job, because I think you're, are you, am I right in thinking you're a solo practitioner or do you, you have other people working with you? I'm solo. I'm solo. You are solo, okay. And are you a, a naturopath? Like, is that your, what's your kind of title? Well, my, if like. my, my title is Doctor of Chinese uh, Medicine. Doctor of Chinese Medicine, did you say? Yes. Chinese
2: medicine. That's my official title, but I am more like a naturopath because I do a lot with um, um, uh, blood work and I do a lot with uh, like supplements that aren't just Chinese herbs. So, um,
1: okay.
2: but my official title is Dr. Chinese Medicine
1: right great now I don't know whether you find this um heather in terms of like if you're as you mentioned herbs that you're prescribing um, to to people I know with some vegan businesses they've said particularly if they're vegan and they're organic or they're sustainable sometimes the the products are more expensive so the raw materials are more expensive and they were finding it, some of them found it a bit of a challenge to stay competitive i don't know if that's um Does that apply to you, like in sourcing only plant-based supplements? um, Do you find there's a bit of a challenge there in that they're maybe more expensive um, than others?
2: Well, quality vitamins and supplements are going to cost more uh, whether they're plant-based or not, Um, just because if you're just throwing a bunch of chemicals together and putting it in a pill, it, it can be done for much cheaper, like at least in the U.S., any of the cheap vitamins and supplements that are out there aren't actually very good for you, and some of them can be detrimental. So um, I personally, um, as much as I can, I, I provide organic supplements, but not all Chinese herbs are available organic. so I have to do things that uh, aren't, um, but they're always really high quality. So but I, I try to keep pricing, to, uh, you know, something that's affordable, like patients will comment, like, oh, I'm used to going to, you know, a naturopath, and I leave spending $500 on supplements.
1: So, and that's never the case with me. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, so just in terms of you mentioned you're a solo practitioner and nowadays more than ever there's you know, quite a lot of demands on a, a business owner or a practitioner owner's time because as well as you know working with your clients and you know dealing with the admin side we've now got social media um, to, to take into account and that can sometimes feel overwhelming. Um, how do you cope with that and what advice would you give to others in regards to that overwhelm and perhaps particularly those starting out on their journey, business journey?
2: Well, first I would say you have to be willing to do the work. Um, because a lot of people, at least in the in my in my profession, uh only about five percent of the people stick with um acupuncture and I think a big part of that uh is because the challenges of running a business and actually building the business. It's a, a seven-day-a-week job for quite a long time. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> um, you have to definitely have it in you to to do that. So, um, and then just be careful. with like, how much time you do spend on social media. Like I try to limit. Um, I spend about 15 minutes in the morning, Monday through Friday, doing just sending out a bunch of stuff through t- Twitter and Facebook, etc. And then I might check and see um, once or twice um, in the day. Beyond that, like if people have comments, questions, you know, people I need to, you know, thank for tweeting something that I've tweeted or whatever the case may be. But um, but you can get sucked into doing doing it eight hours a day because there's just so much out there now. Yeah. So
1: um,
2: do your best to to limit it and also stay um, focused on the positive would be a, a big thing that I would recommend. I've seen too many times where people, you know, leave, uh, not necessarily with me, but, you know, there's nasty comments and derogatory um, feedback and I, and you know, and then the person who it's, it's towards, they respond and get engaged in this ridiculous, Battle, And this is, you know, goes for health practitioners and anyone else who is online. Um, but I would just say focus on the positive and just let, you know, if there's anything negative out there, just let them say their piece, but don't get
1: involved in any way. Right, right. Yeah, that's good advice. Excellent. Um, Heather, how much time do you spend a week kind of working on your business rather than in it? So I'm talking kind of, you know, stepping back and doing that big picture stuff, strategizing, brainstorming new ideas, um, you know, looking at new ways to market, that kind of thing, as opposed to actually doing the work itself. Well, right
2: now I'm doing a lot because I had a book come out in May. So it's kind of, It's way more than I normally would be spending on my business. So I might spend uh, two, three hours a day um, on marketing and brainstorming and reaching out to people and so forth. So, um, you know, so if I didn't have the book out, I probably would spend more like uh, four or five hours a week instead of. Um twenty. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Right. Well congratulations on your book. That's great. Thank you. Um I'll make sure you email me the title so I can include that in when I'm quoting you so you can we can give it a plug. Um so what were some of your key as I say you've been in this business quite a while now, what were some of your key challenges when you were first starting out? And how did you overcome them? <laughs> um I-
2: well, I didn't know how to run a business uh, at all, and I didn't get in my educate my formal education. I didn't really give us any clues on how to do that. So, I would make I wouldn't say a lot of mistakes, but I definitely made my fair share. And I still, you know, I'm a human being, so I'm still making mistakes. But uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning, I was definitely I was very desperate, you know, to um, bring in. Patients and an income and all of that. So, um, and I think I kind of people sensed my desperation. So, um, I would say if I had known at, at the time, like, because uh, I know I'm confident in what I do, but I was insecure about building a business. So, just um, uh, getting that across that you know you're good at what you do and also. Um I was very like I gave away a lot of free sessions to people who didn't really appreciate the work and never came back kind of thing. So uh, that was another mistake. Um, like or challenge I had. And um there was no social media when I first started. So it was really about making personal connections anywhere I could. So that was hard to, you know, without getting cheesy or tacky or pushy, it was a challenge in social settings to, uh, promote my business.
1: Right, cool. So um, how, at what point did you feel like you sort of managed to overcome that? Because I guess there's at some point you know, uh, with a business owner, you're, you're, at the beginning, like you say, you know, you're know, you desperate to get the income and the clients and, and do all that stuff. At what stage did you feel like you kind of got over that hurdle, like you'd sort of built up your reputation and your business to the point where some of those challenges were um, were overcome and that you started to kind of sail along a little bit? Um, probably a
2: couple of years. <laughs>
1: Couple of years. And,
2: okay. Yeah, and then we, the economy tanked uh, however many years ago. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, well, I was going to ask you about
1: that. The, yeah, how did yeah you that cope brought on all, all these other challenges. Right. But, so how did you cope with that, Heather? How did that sort of impact your business? And what did you do from a business perspective to, to get through that?
2: Uh, Well, things definitely slowed down for me because even patients of mine that had plenty of money still and very solid jobs were afraid to spend money. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was an issue. Um, And how I overcame it is I pushed myself in other ways to market myself and brand myself. Like I started um, a radio show to get the word out there, and I'm still doing that, and it's... also pushed me to write a book uh, that eventually came out. <laughs> so, just being creative and figuring out new ways that I could get get the word out there.
1: Fantastic! That's great. I love that that you were really innovative because a lot of people just go, "Oh my God, it's terrible. What can I do?" And you've it's actually kind of I love that it's actually pushed you to maybe get out of your comfort zone a little bit and to be creative and innovate. So that's that's great. Oh, <laughs> well done. <laughs> I like that. It's a great great story. Um, so I guess yeah, one of the questions was you know it's that challenge of how do you get to um, people to stop and take notice of your business, become aware of what you do um, in a world where you know we're all kind of bombarded with notifications and messages and offers and and all this kind of flashy stuff. How do you kind of balance getting yourself out there without making people feel like you're kind of harassing them or or being pushy?
2: (laughs) Well Um, I think a big part of it is just knowing I'm really good and not to sound arrogant but I know I help my patients so just having that confidence People sense that and um, having trust that I, that it's all going to work out. So even when the economy crashed, you know, trying, keeping a positive attitude was really important. Uh, I know I meant to be doing this for a living. So um, that was key. Um, And I just, I've, I've set it up that I only send out one newsletter. A month now. I'm only doing one radio show a month now, and I have my rule is that I will follow up with someone twice, and then I let them go. So anything, if I don't hear from someone after two phone calls or emails, then I just I I let them be. And if they decide they want to reach out to me, they will. Oh, okay,
1: is that with new clients that haven't come to see you, or clients that have been to see oh, you Okay, right.
2: Gotcha. You know, okay. Unless I have the, the occasional, you know, patients I've had for years and I know they just have these insane schedules, um, and it's nothing to do with, with me, then I might like send them three or four emails like, hey, where are you? <laughs> but in general, um, that's just two follow ups and then I let them decide when they want to see me. Sure,
1: got it. That's great. In terms of competition, and um, obviously nowadays, and perhaps back when you started, there wasn't so many, but nowadays, you know, there's quite a lot of, I guess, practitioners now promoting plant-based living, which of course is fantastic. Um, I'm just curious how, how that may have impacted you, or how do you go about standing out, um, you know, within that kind of um, somewhat perhaps crowded plant-based practitioner arena? <laughs> um,
2: well there aren't really any acupuncturists um that are plant based or even okay with plant based eating. So that definitely stands makes me stand apart. Um and also um I since I have the Chinese medicine background, um there, there's not any other plant based nutritionists that are out there. They don't have the knowledge that I do and the experience that I do with with um the Chinese medicine. So um yeah, and it's and it's like since uh, yeah, acupuncturists are kind of known for not being vegan friendly, um it, that helps me stand out quite a bit
1: great. Yeah, I was just thinking that with sort of with Chinese medicine. I know obviously some of it is, is great, but I know there's obviously aspects of Chinese medicine, homeopathy, yeah, and that that are not the vegan friendly. So that's great. That's good. You've obviously cornered a niche there. That's lovely. Well done. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Um, So well, I was going to ask my next question was going to be, you know, that a lot of marketing gurus now say that uh, businesses should stop thinking about having competitors and instead embrace them as collaborators um, and maybe to do joint ventures with them. I'm just curious what your thoughts on that are, whether that's collaborations with other acupuncturists or Chinese medicine practitioners or with other um, perhaps complementary plant-based practitioners. Is that something you do at all or is it not really relevant in your line of work? Well, I'm always happy to refer to other plant-based businesses um,
2: and especially if it's, I feel like I can't help the person, I'm not going to hold on to them uh, just because, you know, it's an income. So if I feel like I can't do everything they need, like if I get someone who uh, is a, a professional athlete and they want... More than I can give them nutritionally, I might refer them to someone who has more more of the athletic background.
1: Right.
2: Um, right. But also, just in general, like I'm, I'm really happy to support other vegan businesses um, because I feel like it not only benefits um, animals, it helps build our community, um, and that's really important to me. That we, we have a strong community and and can reach out to each other and lean on each other so we can keep doing the important work.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just going on to mindset, um, so a lot of business owners say that running and owning their own business it's the fastest and most effective form of personal development because it forces you to grow as a person. Um, what qualities do you believe are essential to staying the course and running a successful vegan business?
2: Um, while being committed to whatever it is your business is, Um, like I said before, only 5% of acupuncturists actually stick with it, and not that they don't believe in the medicine, but you really uh, you have to take it to an, another level than just the average, like, oh, I like my job, um, it's interesting, or I like helping people. You really have to have a passion for it um, because being a business owner um, you never really have a day off ever <laughs> so at least I don't <laughs> um, so there's always, even if I'm not actually seeing patients, there's always things like me writing lists list of what needs to get done next week and following up with things and all of that but um, and staying true to your values whether it's the vegan thing or how you work, um, what your ethics are around work. So staying true to that. Um, and some, uh, tenacity I've been called several times tenacious because (laughs) I, I have no, no problem. Like I, uh, when I first started out, I sent out, um, just like cold, I cold called and sent out letters just before really people were using email to um, managers of every major musician and actor uh, you can think of. And, you know, and I followed up with all of them. So I'm like, you know, like I'm reaching out to Paul McCartney's manager. I don't care. <laughs> uh-huh, I, that. That, I, I didn't get Paul as a client, but I did get other. You know, pretty amazing artists as patients of mine. So, um, uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I um, recently—I don't think you probably know who she is. Well, you might know who she is in Australia, but uh, Robin Clivers. And I just went up to her and gave her my book, and she's a well-known radio personality here, and she's vegan, Um, so you know, most people wouldn't have has that uh, in them to just be like, I'm going up to her. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. What's her name? I mean, Hannah I do it, of
2: course, in a nice way. It's not like I'm pushy and like, get out of my way. I'm going to give her my book. It was, you know, done very professionally and you know, we laughed and had stories to tell because she got her start in Washington, D.C., which is where I'm originally from. So, you know, I told her, I've been listening to you since I was eight years old. And she, you know, really appreciated that personal connection. And so, Yeah, oh, that's
1: awesome. And what's her surname? Did you say it was Robin? And what's her surname? Her name's Robin
2: Clevers. She's the side <laughs> of uh, Howard Stern. He's oh I've the, okay. the biggest radio personality in the US.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard of how like okay. millions and
2: millions of people listen to him every day and she's been with him since almost forty years.
1: Oh wonderful.
2: How cool yeah. is that?
1: Yeah. Good on you for you're taking a proactive approach. I'm loving this. That's so good. That's very inspirational. Um, <laughs> what um what specific steps or strategies or techniques do you use to ensure that you you maintain, I guess, a strong mental and emotional well being as a business owner? Because, like you said, you know, you're kind of always on, and there's lots to do, and have whatever. So, how what do you do? Do you use anything like meditation, coaching, self help courses, reading books to just to kind of you know ensure that you've got that strong mental and emotional well-being.
2: Yeah well I exercise, I read for pleasure every day, Um, I try to meditate every day uh, and I make sure I have fun like even if I'm working especially now with the book every day of the week for the last six months I You know, I went to a concert the other night, I went to a dinner party last night, I'm going to the movies this weekend, so it's not like uh, I don't have fun. So just making sure I set aside time every day for me, even if it's just a half an hour, 45 minutes. Great.
1: Yeah. No, that's an important one. Would you say on a scale of one to ten, with one being unimportant and ten being essential, how important do you think it is for business owners to invest in some way, whether it's buying a book or doing a course, in mindset or personal development training?
2: Um, well, I think if you have the personality for it, because some people just aren't open to it, but um, I think it's really important. I've done um, several classes. Over the years of like you know where my blockages are around um, around money um, and you know other other things like that and just uh, growing as a person not uh, just for personal reasons and professional reasons so I I think like a probably I'd say a nine out of ten just because I don't want to say ten because some people just don't have. Like I know some in my personal life, but that's just not who they are. So um they're gonna just it's not gonna work for them if they're not open to it.
1: Sure, sure. What would be and I know you probably touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you could just summarise, what would you say have been the key lessons that you've learned through running your business, whether that's personal or professional or both?
2: Um oh my God, there's so no many lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, um, just to believe in myself um, and know that my purpose of wanting to help people uh, and wanting to help animals is so important that it's worth putting the work into. Um, and just, I don't know, there's such a great... It's so rewarding to make people feel better every single day. Like I just, I can't imagine doing it any other way. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for living, that was important to me. Like I want to feel good when I'm done work at the end of the day. But to have it be so rewarding uh, is incredible for me. I know I know that's not necessarily what everyone looks for, but for me, it's the best part, and it's. Help me become a happier person for sure. That's
1: fantastic. What did you do before, um, Linda? Or did you come like graduate straight from college into what you're doing now? Or did you do anything else before?
2: Um, well, I was, yeah, I, I basically, I um, right after college moved to California, and thought I was going to go to um, grad school to become a professor. Um, and I did that didn't really fit right. Um, so I spent a little time just uh, working odd jobs, like selling clothes, and, um, and then I started grad school. Um, I, I did massage while I was in grad school um, to help me better know the body. Um, it definitely helped tremendously how like in tune I am with where everything is. It made, it made learning acupuncture much easier. But before that, like in college, I actually worked at a health food store and I also was a chef at a vegetarian restaurant. Oh.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. So it's all kind of fitted nicely and brought you to where you are by the sounds of it. That's great. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, in terms of uh, so when you were maybe starting up and even now, um, what, if any, expert help have you used over the years to grow your business? So I'm thinking, for example, have you ever hired anyone that's helped you with, like, with business coaching, marketing, or publicity?
2: Um, I did hire a publicist for the book for three months, three and a half months. Um, but otherwise I've done everything myself. So any, um, articles that I've been featured in or written, um, any TV appearances, um, that's all me uh, and it's all, thank you. And it's all self-taught.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. So you put yourself, because one of my questions, my later question was whether you use media as part of your PR strategy, and it sounds like you you have done. So you you proactively put yourself forward for those kind of things, do
2: you? Oh, yeah, I've, uh, a ton. I've been, uh, and I actually need to update my website how many magazines I've been in, um, but I've been on TV um, four times now. Um so, and I've been listed best of the best in Los Angeles and all kinds of stuff. So, and I'm, one of the big things, and people really like to hear this, is I'm, I'm, uh, the big award shows here, the Oscars, the Emmys, and the Grammys, um, they give this gift bags to all the celebrities who, um, are nominated and win and are, you know, you know, the presenters and I always, for the last, I think, 10 years or so, I've been putting a gift certificate in all of those award shows.
1: Oh, wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love that you've been proactive in doing that because a lot of business owners don't. They they kind of miss out media. They think they can do it all by social media. So it's really good to hear that you, you're you very proactive in that front. Um, you mentioned that you hired a publicist for the book. Um, it, what kind of results did you get? Were you pleased with the results?
2: Um. I don't, I don't really want to talk about that in the interview because it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, there was good, but there was a lot of bad. Um, uh, I, well, don't I, be to, I don't yeah, want to yeah, be I negative be in negative. the interview. No. no um, no. but the good, good was, the good was, um, she, she, uh, definitely got, you know, some decent exposure on some, um, some, with some vegan, pro-vegan media, like uh, Humane Society and Alicia Silverstone's website. So that was definitely nice. And supposedly Paul McCartney's website, Nealist Monday, is going to feature my book. But um, since I'm not paying her anymore, I don't know if
1: that's going to happen. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm not mentioning any names. I'm just trying to get an idea of, you know, whether business owners, what, what their experience has been of hiring professionals. So I'm more kind of asking from a general um, okay. perspective. Well, yeah. If you
2: feel like if, um, if a publicist would help your type of business? Um, if I didn't have a book, I would definitely not have hired a publicist because you never know if they're actually going to get you any business. You know, like even if you get some T V exposure through them or something, like you it doesn't guarantee any actual income. But if you have a big budget and want to try it, then go for it. But most people, um, you know, if your business isn't booming and you wanna hire a
1: publicist it means you don't really have the money <laughs> to do it. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And sure. um, so, for those who um, who aspire to uh, to owning uh, their own business, and obviously in this case a vegan run business, what in your opinion, what would you say the key things are that they need to take into account um, before making the jump from employment to self employment and running their own business? Um, well, I
2: said before, you have to be willing to work seven days a week for a really long time, and you have to be willing. Another thing is you have to be willing to take a lot of rejection, even if your service or product is the best there is. Uh, but this doesn't guarantee, um, success. It definitely doesn't guarantee, uh, immediate success. It can, it can be a gradual buildup. Um, it's very rare. I, I really, with any type of business, it's very rare that it just goes from zero to a hundred, you know, within a year it's usually a much more gradual process. So that would be my words of advice, I guess.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I guess having the, I guess some other people said, you know, making sure that you kind of have some kind of financial backup, whether it's, you know, a bit of savings just to kind of tide you over as you're building the business. I don't know if that was the, something you would...
2: Yeah, um, so maybe, I actually worked part time time, the first year I had my acupuncture
1: license, I, I
2: worked part-time doing massage still.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a good advice. Yeah, a few people have said that as well, like not necessarily making the jump full-time into it. It's sort of, yeah, so that's that's a really good thing. It there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. Now, just in terms of using the word vegan um, in your marketing materials, you know, on your website, there's two sort of schools of thought. One is that, you know, it's still a scary word and it could, you know, scare away potential clients. And the other is, well, it's clever niche marketing. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that and, and what your choice of is how you use the word and, and or not and why?
2: Uh, well, I think for certain people and certain types of businesses, using the word vegan, uh, is preferable, um, but for what I'm doing, I, I, because uh, since people are still really turned off by the word, unfortunately, um, I steer away from it just because I want as many people to come to me as possible without um, any preconceived ideas, and also, like, oh, you know, she's vegan, I'm not going to go to her. Who knows what she's going to tra- tell me to do or try to get me to eat. So, um, it does say on the top of my website that I'm vegan. Um, and it says in my bio, but otherwise, um, I don't, I don't use the word in any, any materials like I say, like on my Twitter, my Twitter uh, handle, I say organic veggie eater. Cause I just, I want, uh, yeah, I want as many people as possible to see me. And there's Um, I just feel like with what I do for a living, it's best to not, um, put that up right up front because it could turn people away that potentially, um, you know, become vegan or vegetarian. And I've, you know, over the years, all my, pretty much all my patients, as long as they've made dietary improvements, all of them are eating less animal products across the board. Um, and many of them have gone vegan and vegetarian, like I'd say probably at least a hundred so um i I think that's for me the best way, but obviously, like if you have uh, uh you're the vegan graphic designer or you're the vegan grocery store or clothing line like that's different. but for when it comes to medical professionals um at least even in l a where there's a lot of vegans it's I think it would turn people away from me so I just stay away from it and I'm honest with my patients if they ask me I'm very open about it and you know I don't hold anything back but that's not the first thing that comes out of my mouth got it yeah
1: you mentioned on your website on the top of your website it says vegan though so you've got it fa- or is that you've got it fairly well it's uh-huh. it uh-huh.
2: vegan acupuncturist Santa Monica uh-huh. like um, um, I don't know what yeah. that bar is called above the URL Oh, yeah, I know. About, it yeah. Gives kind of a description of the site. Um, okay. And I I have that there because it helps with search engines because I want people who are vegan to be able to find me. So if so you oh, ask they're right. even open to plant based eating. Um, but it's, people don't even notice it, honestly, but it helps with search engines. At least yeah. that's what the, the experts in the search engine world have, have told me. So, yeah.
1: No, that's great, and that's a smart because it is. I think it is that balance because um, my partner uh, runs a natural health clinic here in Sydney, and uh, it is it's that kind of thing. Because you kind of yes, you want the people who are vegan to know that they can come to you, but at the same time, you want to get other people in to begin with, so then you can help them and move them. Whereas they might not, like you say, come to you and go, oh, what's she going to do? What's she going to give me? So uh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's
0: so that was Heather Lounsbury from Live Natural Live Well. You can find out more about Heather and her book Fix Your Mood. With food at LivenaturalLiveWell.com. And as usual you can find that link on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. A new survey by Packaged Foods shows the sales of meatless meat are growing faster than sales for animal products, reports Veg News. The survey of 2,000 respondents across a wide range of demographics in the US found the sales of meat products grew by a rate of 3% between 2014 and 2015, while the composite annual growth rate for meatless meat between 2010 and 2015 was an impressive 9%. So the evidence is really stacking up in regards to the growth of meat substitute products. In previous episodes of Vegan Business Talk, you may remember, we featured other reports with similar data. So this is really exciting times and great opportunities for vegan business owners in this sector. Vegan Style, a shoe and accessories store in Melbourne, Australia, has doubled sales over the past 12 to 18 months, forcing the owner to expand from previously shared premises with Las Vegan Cafe in Collingwood to a larger exclusive retail store on Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Now, this area is Melbourne's hotbed of vegan businesses. You walk along Brunswick Street and there's heaps of eateries, there's a vegan grocery store, and now they've got a shoe shop. So this is absolutely brilliant news. The owner, Justin Mead, told Vegan Business Talk, that's me, that the launch weekend saw an extraordinary number of sales, almost double what the company would normally do. So the new location is obviously working. Justin also said that many new customers are not vegan. They're simply attracted to the styles and the products. Now, this is a really important point, and it's fantastic because that's what we want to do convert the masses. (laughs) Now, Vegan Style carries a range of high fashion, stylish brands from the US, UK and Europe for both men and women. And I'll be talking to Justin on an upcoming podcast episode. What's particularly interesting about him is he's grown his business for the past five years while still working full time in a government job. So keep an ear out for that episode to learn Justin's secrets of success. Talking of high-end shoe brands, a bourgeois bohème in the UK have teamed up with model Anaïs Gallagher, daughter of musician Noel Gallagher, and People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, to find the next new ethical footwear designer, reports Fashion Times. The 16-year-old model will judge the competition, which will reward an aspiring designer with the opportunity to co-design a new line of animal-free unisex sneakers for the British brand. Now this is a great example of collaboration, in this case between an animal rights group, a celebrity and a business. There's many different ways you can collaborate with others and as a vegan business owner or entrepreneur I really encourage you to do so. I dedicated a whole chapter in my book Vegan Ventures to the importance of relationships. They're essential to your vegan business success and I really like the way that Bourgeois Boheme have been creative in their thinking as well as with their shoe designs. So have a think about how you can collaborate with others in your field, with uh, uh, others that complement what you do and how you can work together. Vegan food dishes took out several prizes in the Iowa State Fair in the US, which is known to be very meat and dairy heavy, reports Veg News. Apparently, the fair is known for its 600-pound cow made out of butter. Oh, when I read that, I kind of went, ew, because that sounds really disgusting. (laughs) On the positive side, though, there were three vegan categories in this year in the fair's food competitions that collectively drew over 10,500 entries. Peanut Butter and Chocolate Truffle Pie won gold in the Vibrant Vegan category. I love that category, Vibrant Vegan. We're all Vibrant Vegans. (laughs) No Bake Peanut Buttercup Bars won the number one dessert overall in the Raw Vegan category. And a range of other dishes, both sweet and savoury, took out gongs in the Vegan Miscellaneous category. So congratulations to all those vegan businesses that entered and those that won, of course, for changing people's perceptions of what vegan food is. Now, my vision is vegan world domination, one business at a time. (laughs) So let's hope that next year at the fair, there'll be a lot less meat and dairy and a lot more vegan offerings. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a review and a rating on iTunes or on any other platform you're listening to. I'm Katrina Fox, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now.